It's a sword and a seed, a hammer and honey, a mirror and milk. Just a few of the metaphors that describe God's Word, the Bible. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah turns the spotlight on the many facets of this life-changing book, explaining both what the Bible is and what it does in the life of a believer. Listen as David introduces today's message, What the Bible Will Do for You. Thank you for joining us today. This is Turning Point, and I'm David Jeremiah. Back in 2013, we introduced the Jeremiah Study Bible, and we celebrated its introduction at the Madison Square Garden Theater in New York City. And uh, in that particular moment, at that particular night, I shared what I'm going to share with you today and tomorrow, a message on what the Bible will do for you. It's uh, pretty incredible. It's from the Psalms, and uh, I think it will encourage you to pick up your Bible and perhaps wipe some of the dust off of it and get back into it so that it can be a blessing and encouragement in your life. During the month of June, our resource is Living the 66 Books of the Bible. It's a 287-page hardcover book that makes uh, the point that every book in the Bible has an application for you in your life. The first 66 books of the Bible book that we made available uh, some months ago told you what was in every book in the Bible. This gift book tells you how what's in every book in the Bible manages your life and how you go forward in the response of obedience to these different books. I can't wait for you to get this because I think you'll be really encouraged. It's called Living the 66 Books of the Bible, 287 pages in a hardcover gift book, and it's yours for your gift of any size during this month. When you ask for this resource, we'll send it to you right away. I hope you will help us with this special month of giving in the month of June, and we'll look forward to hearing from you and getting this book in the mail to you as soon as possible. Well, let's get started today with what the Bible will do for you. I'm not going to embarrass us by asking how many there are here who have never read through the Bible from cover to cover. I'm sure that it would be more than just a few of us. Perhaps some of us have not done so because we've never really known how to go about it. We haven't had a plan. And if you go and get a calendar or some other plan, you can get started. And by the end of the year, you will have read every word in all of the Word of God. Some of you say, well, I tried that before. And when I got to Leviticus, I got stuck. Well, you can get through Leviticus, I promise you. And you can get through all of the books of the Bible, and they will be a great encouragement to your heart. One of the things we tried to do to encourage people to take the Bible more seriously. So we went back through the Word of God and we reminded ourselves in a fresh new way of the metaphors in the Bible that God has given us to tell us the power and the impact of this book in our lives. For instance, did you know that the Bible is called a sword? Hebrews 4.12 says, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is called a sword because it has piercing ability. It operates with effectiveness upon sinners and saints and it even works on Satan as we shall learn a little bit later on. The word of God is not only a sword, it is a mirror. How many times have we opened the pages of this book to see ourselves there? 
We're reminded in James chapter 1 of the person who looks into the mirror of the Word of God. And he's called upon not to be just a hearer of the Word, but a doer also. The Bible tells us that this book is like looking into a mirror. And when we look into it, we see ourselves. And when we see ourselves, we're supposed to make the necessary changes in the power of the Holy Spirit so we become what God wants us to be instead of what we have decided to be. The Bible is a mirror because it reflects God's image to us and our image back to us from his word. And the Bible is a hammer. I always like to ask this question. How many of you have ever been hammered by the word of God? Let me see your hand. You're reading it, you're comfortable in your complacency, and all of a sudden you read something that jumps off the page and hits you straight between the eyes, and you get hammered by a truth from God's Word. But the Word of God is a hammer. And Jeremiah says it this way, the Word of God is a hammer. It is a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And then the Word of God is like water. The Bible says that God's Word is a cleansing agent. It's like water that cleanses us, that renews us. Ephesians 5 says that he might sanctify or make holy and cleanse the church with the washing of the water by the word. When you read God's word, and we're going to look at this in a few moments, it has this refreshing, cleansing aspect to your life. And it's like spiritual dialysis. It washes out the bad things and replaces it with the good things of God's truth. And the word of God is like seed. The Bible says that God's word is like incorruptible seed, which is planted within our lives. And because it is like seed, it brings forth whatever is planted. It brings forth life and growth and fruit. When you put God's word in your heart, it doesn't stay dormant. It spreads out and grows and embellishes the truth of God in your life. And God's word is like silver. In the Bible, we're told in Psalm 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. It is called silver because it is precious, it is desirable, it is beautiful, and it has value. And the word of God is like fire. The Bible is like a burning fire that burns the dross out of our lives. Jeremiah 29 says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. God's word is called fire because it purifies and it has a consuming capacity. Sometimes when you go through the fire of God's word, it burns off the dross of your life and leaves only what is good that is left. And then one final one that I could give you, and there are many more. This is one of my favorites. The Word of God is the lamp of your life. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Word of God is called a lamp because it shines its light upon where you are now, where you need to be next, and it keeps you from stumbling on a dark road. It shows you the way to go. And these are truths that are just right here in the Bible to help us understand how important God's Word really is. I don't know if you've ever taken time to investigate the influence of this book we call the Bible, but it affects every facet of human life. It has made a profound impact upon our world and our culture. For instance, the content of the Word of God have supplied themes for the greatest poets and artists and musicians. Delete from the literature created by Dante, Milton, Tennyson, 
Wordsworth and Carlyle, every reference to moral and spiritual truths that come out of the Bible and you have stripped their writings of all of their glory and robbed them of their beauty. Go into the galleries and museums of this world and take down from the walls of those galleries the incomparable paintings that portray scenes of the life of Israel and the life of our Lord and of his disciples and you have removed the richest gems from these places of beauty. The Bible has been the mightiest factor in shaping the moral progress of our entire race. If you take out of the statute books every law which is founded upon the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount, you have removed the very cornerstone of modern civilization. If you rob our libraries of every book which was written against the background and precepts of the Holy Scripture, you've taken out of our libraries most of the important books that have ever been penned. And you have done this without ever thinking what you're doing. The bottom line is that we have done this primarily in our culture here in America, have we not? We have removed the Bible, in effect, from every public place where it could have any possible impact upon our culture. What in the world has come to us in our culture by the taking of the Word of God away from the people? We can sit here in our churches and feel quite smug and complacent as we rail against what has happened in modern culture. But the real problem, really, and we know it to be true, is not out there. The real problem is in here. For if we would be honest, most of us looking back on this past year would have to admit that the Word of God could have occupied a more prominent place in our lives than it did. Now please let me set you at ease. I am not in the least interested in making everyone go home guilty today. I don't have any intention to doing that and I trust that when you leave this room, I feel certain that you will walk out of here not feeling guilt for what you haven't done, but being motivated to do what you know God wants you to do. That should be the focus of our heart. Not to look back and say, you know, I could have done better, hang our head in shame and say, well, I didn't read the Bible very much this year. This is not something you can do anything about. How many of you know you can't live one day of last year? It's over. You have finished. It's done. You can't do anything about it. Just put it behind you. Paul said, leaving those things which are behind, behind, I press forward. So let's don't look back on what we didn't do. Let's look forward on what we can do. I'm not going to ask you to read the Word of God as a religious ritual just because we're telling you to do it. I want to tell you why you should read the Word of God and what it will do in your life. Let me give you my most favorite reasons for reading the Word of God. First of all, if you read the Word of God, it will produce spiritual growth in your life. And I don't know a Christian who's worth anything in terms of his own commitment to God who doesn't want to grow. How can you really grow in your spiritual life? Let me tell you, there's only one agent of growth that's guaranteed to make it happen. First Peter says it this way, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. How are you gonna grow in your spiritual life? You can't do it without this book. You say, well, pastor, I take good notes every Sunday. That isn't good enough. If all your growth is based upon the notes that you get from listening to someone else teach the Word of God, that would be like eating one meal on Sunday and not having any more food until the next week. Unless you're into fasting and starvation, that's not a good thing to do. 
You need to be in the word of God for yourself so you can grow. You need to be reading this book so that it comes straight from the book, not through somebody else, straight from the book into your system so that you can use that to grow thereby. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now look up at that verse for a moment and notice that scripture is profitable for doctrine so that you know what to do. And it's profitable for reproof so that you know what not to do. And it's profitable for correction so that if you do what you're not supposed to do, you know how to fix it. And it's profitable for instruction in righteousness so that when you get back on the path, you have a positive plan to keep you on the path and not get off the path again. But it's learning how to deal with the issues of life. And when you make a mistake, you come back to the word of God and it shows you how to get back on the path. And let me just tell you something. Don't stay gone very long. Because what happens is if you take a little detour and you don't get back to the word of God, pretty soon the detour becomes two years. Sin will keep you from the word of God or the word of God will keep you from sin. Even when you're not doing everything you know is right, stay in this book because that's the best chance you have to keep growing and moving forward. The word of God will produce spiritual growth in your life. That's why you ought to read it. When you don't read it, you can't grow. You become stagnant. Secondly, the word of God will provide cleansing for your life. How many of you know that we all live in a toxic world? You know, when I got sick, I got all kinds of stuff from people all over the country telling me how to get well. And all of it's good. I just wish I had time to read it all. I mean, I could be the most healthy person in the world if I could read all this literature everybody sends me. But one of the things I got were two books, and they were that thick. And one of them had in it all of the toxic things that are in our culture that can affect you. And the other had all of the things that you do to take care of all those toxic things. Well, I looked at those two books and they were that thick. I didn't have time to find out everything that was toxic because I looked in it and everything's toxic. <laughs> How many of you know that toxicity isn't limited to the physical realm? How many of you know that we live in a spiritually toxic world? Where everywhere you look, there's some kind of toxicity that's chipping away at the things that you believe and the things that you hold dear. Our culture, little by little, wears away at the things we hold dear. One man, one woman, married, living together without any outside relationships. That's what God's word says, but the culture is toxic against that. You say, how do I deal with that, pastor? You gotta take the word of God into your heart and let it cleanse your life. Because the word of God, it's like spiritual dialysis. I don't need to be railing against that stuff. I hardly ever talk about it. What I need to do is replace it with God's truth. And when I do that regularly, daily, it cleanses my life. Do you see what God's word will do for you? It cleanses your life. It keeps you clean. The renewing of your mind, says Paul in Romans 12. It will produce spiritual growth. It will provide cleansing for your life. Listen to this one. It'll keep you from sin. It'll prevent you from sinning. You say, you mean I can go through this whole year and not sin? Probably not. But I'll tell you one thing, if you get in the word of God, you won't sin as much as you would if you didn't. (laughs) 
How does it keep you from sinning? Well, listen to what David said in Psalm 119, verse 11. You know this verse, don't you? Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 133 is a great verse. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Psalm 37, 31 says, the law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. (laughs) I love that verse. You say, pastor, how does God's word keep me from sinning? I promise you, if you commit yourself to spending some time in this book every day, it will rearrange some things in your life. (laughs) May not do it the first day or the second day, but little by little, God's word will start to change your priorities, change the way you think. And you know what one guy said to me, it makes you just uncomfortable at some things in your life. When you begin to look into the word of God, it will steer you away from the path of sin and toward the path of righteousness. God's word will prevent you from getting involved in a life of sin. Here's another one. God's word will protect you from Satan. Now I know some of you don't even believe in him, but let me tell you something, it doesn't matter. He's real anyway. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Amen. Some of you think, well, I don't believe in Satan. And you feel like because you don't believe in him, that makes him not there. That didn't work. You can't do that. Satan is real whether you believe him or not. And the Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion trying to devour us. What does that mean? That means he's trying to drown our influence. He's trying to take us out of our game. He's trying to keep us from being effective. He's trying to make us look foolish in the eyes of the world and of the church. He's trying to undercut everything we believe in. Satan's desire is to do everything he can to destroy your effectiveness for God. You say, how in the world do I compete and how do I go to war with him? Well, let me tell you what Jesus did. Satan took him out (laughs) one-on-one. Satan said, I'll take you one-on-one, Lord. And he began to tempt him. Do you remember that? And he began to tempt the Lord. He tried to get him to make bread out of stones. He tried to get him to bow down and worship him. He tried to get him to jump down off of the temple and show that he would be caught by the angels. And you know what the Lord Jesus did? Listen to this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. As soon as Satan tempted him the first time, Jesus answered and said, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What did Jesus do? He used the almighty word to combat the enemy. Satan wouldn't give up, came back to him the second time. And when he came back to him in Matthew chapter four, verse seven, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan said, all right, I'll try another approach. He came back to him again. And this time in Matthew 4.10, Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. What was the Lord Jesus doing? He was doing what every Christian ought to do. He used the word of God to defeat the enemy. And for those of you who think you might get stuck early on in your reading through the word of God, let me just encourage you that every one of his quotations came out of the book of Deuteronomy. So when you get to Deuteronomy, just remember there's some good stuff in there because Jesus used it to deal with the enemy. When Paul was telling the Ephesian believers about the armor of the believer, he said, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the evil one. He went through this whole list of armor that they were to put on and there was only one offensive weapon. You know what that was? The sword of the spirit, which is what class? The word of God. If you're going to be effective against the enemy of your soul, you've got to know the word of God. You've got to be into the word of God. If some of you are getting victimized all the time, Satan just seems to have his way with you. 
Maybe one of the things that's missing in your life is a solid grasp of God's truth and some time spent letting God's word filter into your heart. It will protect you from Satan. Now those are some kind of defensive things. Let me give you some offensive and encouraging things. It will not only produce spiritual growth, it will not only protect you from sin and from Satan and cleanse your life, but here, listen to this, it will protect you from discouragement. You know, the Bible says that we're to lay aside every besetting sin. You know what a besetting sin is? It's kind of Satan's, the way he gets to you. (laughs) Most of us, if we're honest, we know how Satan can get to us. And I've learned over the years that one of the things Satan can do, if I'm not careful, he can get to me through discouragement. That might surprise you because I'm a pretty upbeat guy, but you know, sometimes the crest of the wave determines the depth of the trough that comes behind it. And there's a certain way of ministry that gives itself to the propensity to be discouraged. And Satan knows that he can do that. What do I do when that happens? Well, I used to call my pastor buddies and I found out most of them were more discouraged than I was. (laughs) You know what? I don't do any of that anymore. I get in the word of God. And I found out that the word of God is the greatest thing you can appeal to in times of discouragement. Do you know there were two disciples who left Jerusalem after the crucifixion? They were so depressed because they thought everything was all over. They were really down. And Christ had died and they didn't even know he'd been resurrected. And they were walking toward Emmaus and they were talking about how hopeless everything was. And they were sad about all that was going on around them. Discouragement is always worse when you walk away from the cross and from the open grave. When you start putting that behind you and not walking toward it but away from it, you can get discouraged. And then they did one other thing. They started talking to each other about how discouraged they were. How many of you know that when you get discouraged, you don't need to get with somebody else who's discouraged and share your discouragements? You know, my wife and I have this thing about how we don't ever want to get discouraged at the same time. We just made this commitment. We're not going to do that. I'm going to never get discouraged when she is, and she's never going to get discouraged when I am because we need each other to kind of pick each other up. And then the Bible says, while they're walking toward Emmaus, all down in the mouth and discouraged, telling each other how bad everything was and there's no hope, and all of a sudden they heard an exposition by the greatest of all preachers. The Lord Jesus joined them. And the scripture says in Luke 24, 32, and they said one to another, listen to this, did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. How did they get out of their discouragement? The Lord Jesus came along and he just opened the word of God. And you know what? I don't know how he knows, but when I'm in a plan to read the Bible, God seems to know where I'm supposed to be in that plan on the day when I need the word that he gives me for that particular time. I'm just uncanny. And I bet you found the same thing true in your life. Just when you need to hear from God, you end up being in the passage that addresses your particular situation. Now, it doesn't happen that way every day, but it happens often enough to know that it's not just coincidental. God is at work through his word in your life. Earlier, I told you about our special resource for the month of June. Uh, Let me add to um, the information for the month of June the reality of a a beautiful study guide that takes you through every one of the messages on the Word of God. This is my signature series on the Bible, and all of the messages packed together in this series are also bound together in this resource. So 
when you get the study guide, the Word, and you open it up, you have the outlines and the information on all 12 of the messages in this series. This is something I think you're going to want to keep uh, on your shelf because it takes you to so many key passages. It comes with uh, the structure of the message and then application for you to fill out, scriptures for you to look up, personal questions for you to answer. Many people use this in small groups uh, as the, the study material, and they talk together about the messages. The study guide, The Word, is available from davidjeremiah.org, which is our website. I hope you'll go there and get that along with uh, the CD packages, which will help you uh, reprise what we have been talking about. And if you happen to be the facilitator of your small group, you can have a, a step ahead of everyone when they come together to talk about The Word. Thank you for joining us today. We're excited to have you along. We'll be back tomorrow with part two of what the Bible will do for you. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Word, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of David's new book, Living the 66 Books of the Bible, and learn to better understand and apply God's Word each day. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Word, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Did you know that nearly 2 million Turning Point radio programs are broadcast each year? Your support enables Turning Point to continue delivering the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And thanks to our giving challenge, any fiscal year-end gift you give until the end of June will be doubled up to $50,000. You can help Turning Point finish strong by donating today. Call 800-946-4300 or go to davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. The Christian devotional writer Hannah Whitehall-Smith once wrote that the mother eagle teaches her little ones to fly, 
by making their nest so uncomfortable that they are forced to leave it. While I can't verify that statement about eagles, I do know that God can use discomfort to teach and direct His children into deeper truth and maturity. The Apostle Paul, you will remember, chronicles numerous instances of his own discomfort, one in particular that he asked God to remove. Instead of comfort, God gave Paul a deeper revelation of the grace of God. He may have something similar in mind for you. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's purposes in being uncomfortable on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.